a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. crew welcome to dancing is forbidden and aqua teen hunger force exploration i am ronnie and on this podcast i am watching through and talking about every aqua teen episode one episode at a time and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is season three episode four g whiz Jeez, please blast nine presents with a 16 inch thick crust meat cover special with the mild sauce G Wiz premiering August 22nd, 2004, and this being yet another episode I know I've seen on TV. I don't know if it was when the episode premiered, but I know I've definitely seen this one growing up. But this episode dealing very heavily with censorship and standards and practices. And this is something the guys have kind of been battling with the entire run of the show up until this point. And we've seen it here and there throughout the show. I'll talk more about it later in the podcast. But this one very, very directly and explicitly is dealing with standards and practices and and the show being censored. But guess what? This actually led to the episode being better. Again, we will get into that later. But before that... You know, we got some other stuff to talk about. First up, we've got our Aqua Teen News this week and hot off the presses via Adult Swim Central. They are reporting that the five upcoming Aqua Teen episodes will actually not be animated by Bento Box, but it will be animated by Floyd County Productions, which is the team behind Archer and other FX shows. Now, this isn't like, it's a little bit shocking, but it's not a huge deal because both Bento Box and Floyd County Productions have people who were on Radical Axis, which Radical Axis was the animation team behind the original run of Aqua Teen. So this isn't the exact same team that has been doing the Aqua Donk side pieces and Plantasm, but these guys, you know, we've got some familiar names and some familiar faces who will be animating this one such as Todd Redner and Bradley Zimmerman. Those are some guys that we have that we might have mentioned on this podcast. But yeah, it, it's not a whole new team of people. It's people who have worked on Aqua Teen, just not the team I was expecting. I was expecting it to be Bento Box again. Uh, but who knows, maybe they're doing something else for Aqua Teen. For example, we know that Bento Box, the same team that did Plantasm, they are doing Matt Malero's upcoming film, Postocalypse. So maybe they're doing something else for the guys. That's why they couldn't take on these five episodes. Back to Floyd County Productions, they posted a bunch of job listings for this Aqua Teen project. So they are looking for harmony animators, environment designers, riggers, background artists, background directors. Lots of openings over at Floyd County Productions. So hey, if you think you're cut out for it, if you want to work on Aqua Teen, definitely look into that. And uh, who knows, maybe you could be working on some new Aqua Teen and then you could tell me all the secrets and tell me what it's about and I could talk about it here. Something that is not secret is Plantasm is now on HBO Max. So if you've got HBO Max, go watch it. I don't care if you've already seen it. You could watch it again. It won't hurt. It won't kill you. It's not, it's not such a big deal. You can watch it. You'll be fine. So that's it for our Aqua Teen news this week. Really quickly, I just want to tell you, I I kept forgetting to mention it, that I've been back to streaming regularly on Twitch, playing some video games every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. That would be be 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 
Lately, I've been streaming with my buddy Colby. We've been playing through Halo Infinite. I've never played a Halo game before. So if you want to come hang out, there's an opportunity there. And also, I am working on doing another stream of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the very unofficial game. We streamed that last summer. I would like to stream it again with, with more uh, advertisement ahead of time so more people can see this incredible fan game that is just really, I mean, it'll fucking uh, knock your socks off. It's so good. So I'll keep you updated there. But again, if you want to hang out every Thursday at 7, uh, you know where I am at. I guess you don't. Uh, it's twitch.tv slash Ronnie Neely. Link to that in the show notes. Okay, look, it's late August 2004. Let's see what the heck was going on in pop culture at the time. I gotta know. Misleading viewers all the way to the top of the box office this week. We have Exorcist the beginning bringing in a cool $18 million. Not the biggest number we've ever seen during these segments, but I mean, hey, they're the top dogs this week. However, you know, years later, they only have a 5.1 out of 10 IMDb and a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Exorcist, the beginning, it, it was meant to kind of explain, like it was like a prequel to the first Exorcist film, and it was supposed to follow the father from the first film, like the, the priest guy, uh, kind of like his first ex experiences with, with demons and stuff like that. But I guess it wasn't as scary as the original Exorcist. It, it was kind of a different film. And what I find interesting is... This film, Exorcist the Beginning, I, I'm going to try not to get too into this, but I was like going down a rabbit hole reading about it. They made this film, but it was kind of retooled from a different movie that was basically made, but had not been released. And that was called Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. So they put this one out in 2004 called Exorcist the Beginning, the one that's at the top of the box office. But a year later, they finally put out Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. So The Exorcist has like two prequels that came out like one year after the like a year apart basically it's a very strange situation i guess neither of them are really that good although dominion is considered to be better but back to what i said at the beginning where where this film was misleading people linda blair was actually shocked when she discovered that warner bros had used her image and voice in the promotional campaigns unauthorized for this film and linda blair she played the little girl in the original exorcist back in the 70s and she's not in this movie. That's what makes it weird that they were using her performances to advertise this film that really didn't have, you know, like she wasn't in the, the film. So it's just kind of weird there. And uh, the, the original writer of the Exorcist films, William Peter Blatty, uh, he said that watching this film was his most humiliating professional experience. So he was not a fan of this film, and he actually went on to like Dominion, the other prequel that came out in 2005. He thought that one was fine, but I guess this one was just utter dog shit. I mean, the ratings kind of explain that, and I looked into it for you. There is no shared cast or crew between Aqua Teen and Exorcist The Beginning. Good riddance. So let's move on to music here. Let's listen, give a sweet little listen to our top album this week. And I hope you're ready to start doing a jig. We 
have Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson's sister, with her album Autobiography, selling over 286,000 copies this week, this being her debut album. And I take it that Ashley was kind of pushed into the music world, basically just capitalizing off of her sister's name and riding on her sister's coattails. And I assume like her parents or whatever, like forced her into it because Ashley, I'm seeing that she put out three albums from 2004, this being her first until 2008. And then she basically kind of just dropped off with music until 2018. She put out an EP. So I think she was only doing this because she was kind of pushed into it. So it's kind of sad. I don't want to make fun of her too much, but we cannot not talk about that uh, SNL performance. I think that I saw that live when it happened. And if you're unfamiliar, Ashley Simpson, she performed the song I just played, Pieces of Me. No problem. It was a, it was a hit. But then she went to play another song and she's kind of dancing and then She's not even singing. There's no microphone near her mouth. And you hear the vocals from Pieces of Me coming in. So she was lip syncing. She was caught red handed, which isn't really like a surprise. So many pop stars lip sync. It's like, who really cares? But it was more so the way that she handled it. She started doing this like weird jig, like this really strange dance move. And then she just eventually walked off stage while the band kept playing. Really, really awkward. But like, I don't blame her. Like, what, what would you do in that situation? I, I would have done the same thing. I mean, maybe my dance moves would have been a little bit better, but I would have done just about the same thing. But that SNL fiasco happening October 23rd, 2004, so uh, two months from the day this Aqua Teen episode premieres. But as for Autobiography, the album, I mean... It's a pop album by a pop star that only put out three records. There's some familiar songs on it, like Pieces of Me and La La, but otherwise, I mean, what do you expect, right? She didn't really seem to want to even be doing this. So that is our top album this week. Let's give a listen to our top track this week. Blow your shit. Bad nigga with the shoddy with the logo kid. Said my niggas don't dance. We just pull up a pants and do the rock away. Now lean back. Lean back. Lean back. Lean back, come on. I said my niggas don't dance, we just pull up a pants and do the rock away. Now lean back, lean back, lean back, lean back, come on. Hard to the easy, into the wizard. My arms stay breezy, the dawn stay fizzy. I got a date at eight, I'm in the 740 fizzy, and I just bought a bike. So Our top track this week is Lean Back by Terror Squad. And you may be asking, who's Terror Squad? I don't know who that is. Well, let me tell you, do you know who Fat Joe is? What about DJ Khalid? What about Remy Ma? We've got all sorts of people in this super group. I mean, the, the listing on this lineup is almost as long as the production credits on an Aqua Teen episode. So lots of people in this unit and uh, some big names, some familiar names. This track, Lean Back, actually had a remix featuring Lil Jon and Eminem, so some even bigger names on that remix. But this is my first time hearing this. I, I don't really remember this song at all. I'm surprised to see it was a number one hit. I had never heard of Terror Squad before, never heard the song before. But if there's one thing I know, it's in 2004. We loved to lean back. That was like the main thing we were doing. So I think it checks out. Lastly, really quickly for music, we have our top alternative track. And yet again, it is Just Like You by Three Days Grace. So uh, before we fall asleep talking about that one again, let's move on to our video games this week. And there's really only one notable game worth mentioning that comes out the week that G-Wiz premieres. And that is Astro Boy Omega Factor. And I'm not super familiar with Astro Boy as a character. I guess he's like an early anime character from the 50s. 
And this is a, a game that is, is very highly received. Of course, I love to read the YouTube comments on these YouTube videos of people playing these games. And I guess this game, it was on the Game Boy Advance, and it was a platformer kind of fighting game similar to something like, uh, like Mega Man. For what it's worth, Mega Man, I guess, was inspired by Astro Boy. But this game, people were saying, has like very forward-thinking platforming mechanics for the time. And I don't know, though. I, I think it's very funny, this, this Astro Boy character. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's like this little boy running around with barely any clothes. Uh, Mega Man, they, they took the opposite direction. Mega Man, you only see his face. And Astro Boy, I mean, you see basically the whole package. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being confident. Maybe one day I can be confident like Astro Boy. But all right, it is August 22nd, 2004, and let's put us in my shoes, because this is around the time I think that I started watching Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I would have been 10, almost 11 at this point. I would have been, I had to have been in fifth grade, like school had to have started by late August at this point. And I remember very clearly, I've said it on the show before, but I really have this memory of talking to a kid I was sitting next to about Aqua Teen at the very like beginning of fifth grade. So this would have been around that time. So it's possible I was tuning in this night. Like I said, I've, I've seen G-Wiz. So maybe this was the night I saw it. I don't know. But uh, I'm really excited to keep going forward with the podcast now because we are getting into more clear memories that I have. Up until this point, I've been a little kid. I'm still a little kid at 10, 11 years old, but I really start to develop my personality and things that go on to influence who I become uh, as an adult now, so I'm excited to keep going on with that. And that starts here too with Aqua Teen, when I really started to get into Aqua Teen, early fifth grade. And look at me now, almost 20 years later, I'm still going on about this shit. So it's August 22nd, 2004, Sunday night. I don't want to go to school the next day because, uh, boring. I didn't see the new Exorcist movie because I was I was 10 years old. That's not appropriate for a 10-year-old. I'm definitely hearing Ashley Simpson's Pieces of Me, and I remember thinking it should be called Pieces of Shit. I don't feel that way anymore, but I thought it was funny as a kid. And I'm certainly not playing Astro Boy Omega Factor because I only had Pokemon games growing up. But I did have Adult Swim. What am I going to be watching on Adult Swim tonight? Well... Let's find out. At 11 p.m., we have Family Guy Chitty Chitty Death Bang, which is the third episode of Family Guy as a whole. So this is an early Family Guy episode. But of course, remember, Family Guy had not been rebooted yet. So there were only like, what, three seasons of the show anyways. Uh, 11.30 p.m., we have Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with Peanut Puberty. You can guess by the name on that one that Peanut, Harvey's uh, assistant, he is going through his superhero puberty, so they have to kind of deal with that. After that, 11.45, we get Sealab 2021 with Dearly Beloved Seed. At midnight, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with this episode, G-Wiz. And of course, as last week, this is our only new episode in this lineup, is the Aqua Teen episode. 12.15 a.m., we get the Brack Show with Dinner Party. I think we've talked about that one on the podcast a little bit before. 12.30 a.m., we have the Venture Bros with Home Insecurity. More Venture Bros here, but not a new episode, which, similar to last week, the previous night was a premiere. So they were premiering Venture Bros on Saturdays, which is weird to me because on Saturdays, I'm seeing that like they had a uh, new Inuyasha episode and a new Wolf's Reign episode, both anime. And I don't know that I, I doubt that those, in fact, I know that those were not like brand new episodes, but they were new to Adult Swim and probably new to the US or, or uh, the English versions of them, at least. So it's weird to me that they are saving Venture Bros for that lineup when they could have put it here as a new one. 
and you know had two new episodes at least but i mean it's still a you know hot off the presses episode here so after that at 1 a.m we get the oblongs with misfit love which is the pilot the first episode of the oblongs and then similarly at 1 30 a.m we finish our night with home movies get away from my mom the first episode of home movies and last week you'll remember we we had the last episode of home movies so now they're just starting it over again from season one episode one so that's our lineup here same lineup as last week uh family guy harvey birdman sea lab aquatine brack show venture bros oblongs and home movies i'm not as familiar with some of these episodes but overall i would say last week uh is the same lineup for the shows but the episodes last week were probably better than this week but still it's not a bad week i think we're ready i hope that this precursor to this episode of aquatine has been better than uh, the exorcism precursor that comes out. I hope that this one scores a little bit higher. Let's jump in and talk about G-Wiz. G-Wiz premiering August 22nd, 2004 with a TV-14 DLV rating for suggestive dialogue, coarse or crude language, and violence. Not really a surprise here because of all the play that they will have on censorship and standards and practices. That's really where a lot of this comes from. Otherwise, the episode isn't super violent or just edgy when they're not making fun of standards and practices, which is a little taste going forward of what the kind of theme of this podcast episode will be regarding how they dealt with censorship on the show. But on to the voice actors on this one. Of course, we have our typical crew, but we actually have two newcomers here as well as a returning favorite. Uh, let's talk about our returning favorite. We have George Lowe, who we will see towards the beginning of the episode. Of course, voice of Space Ghost, and he plays himself on Aqua Teen. I mean, you know who George Lowe is. Otherwise, we have Michael D. Hanks, who is a narrator on the episode. I will get into that when he pops up. In the episode. And lastly, we have Ted Nugent, the, the musician, the hunting enthusiast. That Ted Nugent, he is on this episode as well. So we'll talk more about these characters when we get to them in the Aqua Teen episode, but just letting you know here who we've got on board. So, all right, of course, we are not discussing Space Cataz here. You know that. That will be done on the Patreon at a later date. So, opening in on the episode proper, we have Frylock and Meatwad hanging out in Frylock's room. It's kind of nice. We get this kind of slice of life moment here where it's pretty mundane. Frylock's just reading the news on his computer and, uh, and uh, Meatwad's in there bugging him. Meatwad wants some pizza. Visually, what's going to be happening here is there is some sort of paper or styrofoam cup on the floor. Meatwad's going to say like, oh, you know, get us a pizza. It can come out of, out of the drive on the computer. And then he'll kind of point at the cup, say, is that a drive? And then he'll, he'll pick it up and throw it and it, it will explode. So that's what you'll hear in this upcoming clip. Hey, 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 do a search for free pizza. <laughs> then see if it come out this drive. <laughs> Is this a drive? I'm reading my news, <laughs> if you don't mind. News is good food for your mind, but I want food for my mouth. So that's what's going on here, Meatwad. He's he's bugging Frylock. But again, I really I really like this. It's just mundane. It's boring, but it's it's also a good way to set up the episode. I like Meatwad. He he's he's hankering for some pizza. We're actually going to jump back into this scene. I just wanted to cut it up because there's a new visual element coming up where Frylock, you heard he's reading his news, but he will see and we will see on his computer screen that there is some sort of billboard in town. It, it's for a pawn and gun store. So like a pawn shop billboard, pretty mundane. 
but people are seeing the face of Jesus in the billboard because on the billboard, uh, it's pretty nondescript. There's like a, a hunting rifle and then a watch and a gold ring. And then there is a circle around the stock of the gun. Then we see zoomed in what is kind of like the face of Jesus. And Frylock, he will not be able to actually say Jesus because of standards and practices. You better hear us. Uh, I'm, I unplugged this whole computer. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Apparently there's some billboard in town and people are seeing the face of G uh, you know who. No, I don't know who. <laughs> who? Oh, I'm not allowed to say Meatwad because of standards and practices. Standards and practices? What are standards and practices? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question, Meatwad. Here. Let's take a look at this video. So we've got some good visual elements here because Meatwad, he's like, you know, what are standards and practices? And he kind of does this exaggerated shrug. And then Frylock will look directly at the camera, breaking the fourth wall and kind of talk about it a little bit. So let's, there, there's a lot to unpack here, right? These clips on, on the surface don't seem that in depth, but there's a lot going on here. So first of all, let's focus in on the visual element of Frylock's computer screen. Let's start there. So we have an article that he's reading. The website is Bad News. Uh, he's in some sort of internet browser, uh, pretty simple looking. Uh, at the top, there's like an A with a, a circle around it, kind of like the Internet Explorer logo, with, which would have been an E with a circle around it back in the day. The website address that Frylock is on, it's a bunch of symbols and stuff. It's not act, like actual website. It's just a bunch of weird uh, symbols and things like that. And the article says, many believers pilgrimaging to sacred billboard, iconic image and advertisement creates religious frenzy. And the thing that frustrates me about this is there is a lot of text on this screen, but you can't read any of it because the resolution is so low. But the things I can make out make it seem like there is actually stuff written here. And it's very frustrating to me because I want to know what this says, but that's just something we're kind of used to at this point because of the low resolution elements of this show. Uh, pretty big bummer there, but this is in part what the episode is about, right? It's about this billboard. People are seeing the face of Jesus, and this is based on a real story, and the real story is even fucking crazier than this, okay? So this is like a pawn shop billboard, and we see what kind of looks like the face of Jesus. Now, this is obviously a drawing meant to... Uh, meant to imply the face of Jesus, which is different than a real image. The real thing that this is based off of, this is an Atlanta thing, so this is Matt and Dave bringing in their Atlanta elements uh, into the show. There was a Pizza Hut billboard with spaghetti on it. I'm not making this up. A fucking spaghetti billboard that people were seeing the face of Jesus in in 1991, specifically May of 1991 in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm reading some old news articles about this, and there, there's like a human element to this piece. I guess the lady who found it, her name was Joyce Simpson. She was a fashion designer in Atlanta, and she was singing in the choir, and she was thinking about leaving the choir, like a church choir, to sing professionally. I, I don't know in what capacity, but she was thinking about leaving the church choir, and she was, you know, kind of praying on it. When she looked up at the spaghetti billboard, the Pizza Hut billboard, and she saw the face of Jesus, and that told her everything she needed to know. She needed to stay in that church choir because Pizza Hut spaghetti told her so. And this kind of blew up, 
And these these local billboards became like a hot spot. And people saw other faces in it, of course. Uh, some people said they saw Jim Morrison from The Doors. Some people thought they saw Willie Nelson. Some people thought they saw John Lennon. But Jesus was like the prevailing kind of figure that some people saw. Now, there's a lot of people who can't see a face in it. I will put a link to this in the show notes. So, of course, check there if you want to see uh, the billboard in question. But to me, it's even more ridiculous than what the Aqua Teen episode even let on. And it's so interesting uh, what our minds can do. You know, I, I've seen it equated to clouds. Like, you know, someone could, people can look up at the clouds and everyone can see something different. Uh, and the way that our brains are hardwired biologically to find meanings in these patterns. So a part of me doesn't want to make fun of people and blame people for this because genetically speaking, that's... That's how we survived up until this point was making those connections. So it's like we have this biological need to do this, but you can't help but laugh at it because it's like, you know, we should know better, right? You should know that that isn't really Jesus's face on a fucking uh, bundle of spaghetti on a fork. And speaking of, you know, making these connections here, I find it funny that this Aqua Teen episode is kind of spoofing a Pizza Hut ad, but we have we have a little meatwad here. He wants pizza, and uh, I have to say this this worked on me subliminally. Uh, Matt, Dave, I hope you're getting a kickback because I couldn't help but buy some delicious Pizza Hut while working on this episode of the podcast. And I feel like delicious was maybe an overstatement. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a little generous, but uh, who knows? Maybe maybe G Wiz is working for Pizza Hut, so I don't want to say too many negative things here. So moving on, we have our second element of this of this episode now, and that is the play on standards and practices. And my my impression is that these S and P references were added, you know, towards the end of the show's production. So initially, the episode was about the the billboard, but they probably were saying Jesus, and that was kind of it. And then when they were told, no, you cannot actually talk about religious things in this episode, that's when they went to add all this S&P stuff. You have, you know, the whole skit of of Frylock can't say Jesus, and they will continue on with that theme throughout the episode. But then, again, just that cheesy kind of meatwad shrugging, oh, what, what is that? And then Frylock looking directly at the audience and saying, oh, and then kind of explaining what it is. So moving over to the commentary on this episode, Dave says that they really hit a stride of not getting any pushback from S&P on their episodes. So to jump back to Unremarkable Voyage, you know, I was saying, oh, I wonder if they were getting stuff cut from that episode that would have made the episode better because that episode was very reliant on shock and gross out humor. Uh, Apparently not, because Dave did say, oh, we were hitting a stride where we weren't getting any pushback. But yeah, he says the one big bump with S&P was all the Jesus stuff in this episode where where that they were even told at one point the episode was dead. They wouldn't be able to fix it. But apparently they did because the episode did come out. But Dave also mentions how they would do these big focus groups. And by they, I mean like the production companies and stuff. Uh, and, and people didn't mind sex, violence, masturbation, even pedophilia. But when it came to Jesus, that's when people would get offended. And you have to remember, this is the early 2000s. I think nowadays uh, that wouldn't really be the case. But back then, it was certainly an issue, especially closely after 9-11. But okay, let's put a pin in this. Let's jump back into the Aqua Teen episode. And Frylock, he's going to be booting up a video to show Meatwad and really the audience to explain what standards and practices is. And this is hosted by George Lowe. Again, uh, you know, he's all over. He's like the godfather of Adult Swim in many ways. 
And we see his same uh, visual element that we saw back in Mail Order Bride. He was the DJ for the the wedding with Carl, Shake, and Svetlana. Well, now he is presenting here. This this was supposed to be like a corporate video. And we will see a nun. He will blow her head off with a shotgun and blood will squirt out. And that will be like unacceptable. They can't do that. And then we will see George Lowe again. He's like, all right, here's how you have to do it. And then he will blow her head off again, but there will be no blood and a rainbow will come out. After that, George will make a, so, some kind of a racial remarks. And at first he, he messes up and he, there's like a visually a red X across the screen. You'll hear the sound effect there. And then he will say the correct terminology and there will be a green check across the screen. Standards and practices are a vital link in keeping good and funny ideas away from you, the television viewer. Watch how this nun reacts when we blow her brains out. No, permission not granted. Oh no, somebody's going to get an email. What's a better, more acceptable solution? That's right. A happy and colorful rainbow. Although not nearly as funny, it's guaranteed not to offend the black people. No, unacceptable. <laughs> Ooh, did I say black? I meant to say minorities. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> Looks like someone's about to get an A. By following the rules, you're guaranteed to make a mediocre product that no one can relate to. <laughs> So very like cheesy kind of production on this video. It's George just in some sort of presentation room. And it's so funny, like when he blows the nun's head off the first time with the blood, there's blood smeared all over his face. And yeah, just you, you, you hear these digs at standards and practices, which is something we know that they have had to deal with. So I don't know how much I've talked about this on the show, but... Back in season two in Revenge of the Trees and in Kidney Car, there are references to Judith Dre. And uh, so in, in Revenge of the Trees, we have Judith Dre paving. And then in Kidney Car, we have Judith Dre towing when like Meatwad gets his, his, uh, his invoice. And I reached out asking, trying to figure out who is Judith Dre. Uh, what I heard is that she worked in standards and practices. And so my guess is that the original jokes they wanted to put, like the titles, got rejected, so they just put Judith Dre. And we can see that again in Total Recarl. And, uh, you know, we've kind of touched on this, but I have new information here for you. And that there's there's a very, very, very brief point in the episode where there are F-bombs on uh, Frog's computer screen when Carl's brain is hooked up to it. And then on HBO Max, they went back and edited that, and it says Bagley a lot, and turns out that James Bagley worked in standards and practices as well. So they've been dealing with this a lot of having to change things. And, and usually they'll just use the, the S&P person's name instead, uh, which I think is very funny. But those are more subtle digs. Here we have a very loud and obnoxious dig hitting you upside the head. You can't ignore it. But I think it's funny and I think it makes this episode very unique that we will continue to see this theme throughout the episode. If I could talk really quickly about George Lowe and his character model here, in the commentary, uh, they talked a lot about how George would keep complaining about his character model and keep wanting them to redo it so they'd have to keep redrawing stuff. And eventually they just got sick of having to deal with him because of, of how many redraws that he wanted on his model. And they warn anybody like, hey, don't let the person have say over their basically animated counterpart because it will 
you'll go back and forth forever about it. People are so precious about this. And to talk about Plantasm, one of the characters is supposed to be Dave's wife. And Dave kind of got into the commentary there how like, He's like, all right, how many times do I ask them to redraw this? Because I realize I'm being ridiculous at this point. So even Dave, he can't fight the urge to to complain about this thing. It's just like a natural thing that we all have where we're very picky about what we want our the drawings of us to look like. And George Lowe, he's no exception. On to our other voice actor on this episode, though. I believe that we heard him here, Michael D. Hanks. He did narration work for Turner Classic Movies, and his work seems to mostly be in narration. So I think he was the other narrator in that previous video, a very small part, and I honestly don't expect that they brought him in to record him. I think that they probably just used those voice lines from something else. I can't imagine they brought the guy in just to do that. I mean, they had George Lowe. They could have had him do a voice or or anybody else do a voice. So I think that they just repurposed Michael D. Hanks' narration from some other Turner project here. Going forward with the episode, anytime a character swears, it will play like a sound effect over it. And then we will get the kind of like that buzzer noise and then a red X across the screen, similar to the presentation video that that they were just watching. So very short clip coming up. We're going to get Meatwad's kind of reaction to this. So you see, Meatwad, that's why I can't say the J word. I don't understand <laughs> that's OK, Meatwad. No one else will either. <laughs> So we have Frylock again staring right into the camera and giving a huge grin directly to the audience. So again, uh, Matt and Dave just just going after standards and practices here. And I find it funny because like that whole video part that wasn't originally in the episode. It was only after they had to deal with all the SMP stuff. So it's kind of funny that because of that it kind of pushed this episode in a more inappropriate direction. So there wouldn't have been that whole part with blowing the nun's head off. They added that after the fact. So inadvertently, standards and practices made this episode even more kind of edgy and is a reason for more of the ratings on this one than I think it otherwise would have had if they were just making references to Jesus. And I like that they are showing us the things that they said they couldn't show us. Like, they're like, oh, you can't show a nun's head getting blown off with blood spraying everywhere. But they did it. They did it in the episode. And it very much gives me, you know, in 2023 vibes of people who their entire career, it seems, is built on like, I'm getting canceled. I can't do this. They won't let me do this thing. They say to like a sold out stadium audience. I can't say what I want to say. You know, Aqua Teen, they were pioneering it here first. But okay, this was a huge detour, uh, both in the Aqua Teen episode and in this podcast episode. Let's jump back into it now. Uh, Frylock, Meatwad, they're going to resume their conversation on the the Jesus image in the, the stock of the gun. But again, they got to keep standards and practices in mind. So what was we talking about there? Well, apparently people are seeing the face of the J-Man in this billboard and they're claiming to be healed. Uh-huh. Who's the J-Man? You know, <laughs> starts with a J, son of G, died and went to H, on the C. Died on the C. Commerd. Commerd. <laughs> no. It's but he was a king. And he did live in a Graceland of sorts. <sighs> he looks like Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah, I know that old boy. It's true. Don't say it. Let's just call him G-Wiz. Well, what's old G-Wiz doing in Jersey? Uh, Meatwad, I don't think it's for real. Meatwad? Meatwad. So that's Meatwad leaving the house. He's already in on it 
I love Meatwad. He he somehow knows the word commode. A commode, it's it's kind of like a toilet, but it's really just a bucket on like a, a metal frame that you would see maybe in hospitals and and things like that. And uh, looking into Elvis's death here, he he did die in the bathroom. Uh, people suspected he was like on the toilet and and stood up and had a heart attack basically. But what really shocks me, like I, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a ton of reports on Elvis's death. I'm not going to focus too much on that, but. I didn't know Elvis was only 42 when he died. I thought he was in his 50s. Like, the way he looked, that's just, that's a rough 42 right there. I didn't know he was so young. Uh, again, just based on, you know, what I'd always seen him looking like, I thought definitely in his 50s. But, uh, wow, that's uh, that's something to think about there. So, Miwad, he is out the door, and he is at the billboard now. I'm surprised he found it. I'm surprised he knew where it was. But he's right there, and he's praying for the thing he wants most of all. Jesus. Please bless thine presence with a 16-inch thick crust meat cover special <laughs> with the mild sauce. Amen. And please bring a side of wings while we roast. Meatwad, what the hell are you Shut doing? Up, he's making pizza. Who is making pizza? Gee whiz, don't you see his face? He's right there. Where? Down near the butt of the gun. All Ted Nugent looking. Meanwhile, the real Gee whiz was a black man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, African American. Gee whiz is American? Oh, that's awesome! No, 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 I mean, I, I mean, African, African. Not in Papa, Baba. He looked just like Ted Nugent in there. Whatever. You done? There's our second Aqua Teen episode in a row with a USA, USA chant for Meatwad. But to speak of the visuals here, it's just, you know, the big billboard, so we've already talked about that. But underneath the billboard, there's a little bit of like a memorial or some sort of shrine to Jesus. There's like a little picture of Jesus, some flowers, some candles, and then like a wooden leg randomly somebody left there. It's just very funny. But a little meatwad, he's just there on the side of the road praying. He really wants a pizza. And I'm glad that they brought this up because I failed to mention it in the previous episode, Remooned. And that a lot of Remooned was about, like, there's a big focus on them wanting food. They really wanted that gas station food. And that is something that we have talked about a lot on the podcast in regards to Aquatine. Like, they're always hungry, it seems like, which is ironic given that they are these food products. And having grown up poor, I can understand this. Now, luckily, I always had something to eat, but you would definitely be like, oh, I wish we could have you know, a pizza or something like Meatwad wants here. He really just wants a pizza and... You know, on the surface, you could be like, oh, yeah, pizza's a good food. He just wants it. But you have to realize this is a character without any money, without any real means to get the pizza. And that's just something I appreciate about this show because I've definitely been in Meatwad's shoes before. So I'm glad they brought that back up here because I forgot to mention it in Remoon. But it's always a fun thread to follow in these Aqua Teens episode where they're just perpetually wanting food. Uh, something else to mention about that clip is Frylock gets dinged for saying that Jesus was a black man. He has to change it to African-American, which, of course, is funny because Carrie Means himself is black. I'm not going to get into this because, I mean, racial identity is a very personal thing for people. But I do enjoy the way that Meatwad's like, oh, he was American? Sweet. Because Frylock says African-American, which is kind of like a fallback term that people use, which it's a term I, I think that has its purpose. But, you know, not when you're referring to somebody who is not American. And I have seen, say, uh, somebody who was black from the UK be called african-american it's like he's not american what the fuck so uh i i i think there's there's good intention behind the word and there's definitely um real use and purpose behind the word but it can be misused as it was misused here which is very funny and i, I like that they use meatwad to kind of play around with that he's like, oh he was american sweet 
Which, I mean, if you're talking to a Mormon, then they, they might actually tend to agree with that. But of course, you know, the whole idea of a, of a Caucasian Jesus is ridiculous. He was from the Middle East. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying anything new here. So let's jump back in. Frylock wants to go home. He's, he's, he's done entertaining Meatwad and all this and trying to explain this to Meatwad. So he's going to ask Meatwad if he's done. Meatwad's going to then pull out $2 and put that down on the ground, thinking that that will uh, make the process speed up of, of Meatwad getting his pizza from, from Jesus. And then Meatwad will say, you're right, I should leave a tip. He will pull out a little like weed out of the ground and put that on top of the $2. And then, and then Meatwad and Frylock will leave, and then Shake will pop out of the bushes. There are some kind of bushes by this vigil. And so we're seeing Shake for the first time in this episode. He's going to take the money, the $2 that Meatwad left. But then inexplicably, some flaming arrows are going to rain down from the sky. Huh? You think this is enough? Meatwad, put that away. What are you doing? Oh, okay, okay, you're right. I should tip. No, you should save your money from these false prophets flying around here and buy yourself a real damn pizza. Now, come on. I'm sorry, G Wiz. Forgive us, me. So, yeah, finally seeing Shake here. I guess he just followed them there. Or maybe he was already waiting outside the bushes to steal stuff. Who knows? To speak of the flaming arrow, of course, as you would expect, that flame is our classic space ghost Hansen flame. And the arrow looks to be the same one that we saw back in the cloning when, when Shake had a crossbow. I guess it would technically be a bolt then. But moving on to our next clip, we are back at the Aqua Teen's house. And Frylock, he's going to want to give Miwa the Bible so he can kind of check it out. And Frylock is going to mistakenly pull out the Necronomicon, which visually in, in the show, they draw it as a, a book made of kind of like flesh. It's all stitched together and there are eyes that are moving. There's like a, a crude mouth on it, a crude nose, and it's the whole book is shaking. And the history of the Necronomicon, it's a fictional book. It never existed, but H.P. Lovecraft would write about it in his in his stories as this book filled with knowledge of how to summon these like demons and stuff. So he would allude to it. Of course, people have published books as the Necronomicon or there's been like fakes of like, oh, this is it. But it was just a, a fictional book. But of course, it's popped up all over the place, for example, in this in this episode of Aqua Teen. But the Necronomicon was in the Evil Dead films. And I know that Matt Malero is a huge fan of the Evil Dead films. So I have to assume that's kind of where they're pulling that from. But yeah, Frylock, he will he'll realize his mistake and he'll pull out the real Bible, hand it to Meatwad, and then Meatwad's gonna gonna say something pretty interesting here. He's gonna let us know that he's pregnant. Meatwad, I think it's time you learned about the real Bible. Oh, God. <laughs> oh wait, that's the Necronomicon. Sorry. Here it is. Well, what's I say about me being pregnant? <laughs> Nothing. Well, I need to update now. Because I'm pregnant. Because <laughs> me, Meatwad's pregnant now. That's where this episode is going. I like that that Frylock, he's just full of these different uh, religious and mystical texts. I wonder what else he's got in there. He's probably got a Quran, a Torah. Who knows what else is floating around in there. So, yeah, Meatwad's pregnant. Now, Shake is going to come home. He's going to come in the room. He will be holding a flaming arrow from the previous scene. And we will learn more about Meatwad's unexpected expecting status. Does that friggin' book say anything about flaming arrows? And where have you been? <laughs> At work. I got jobs. <laughs> well, guess what? Meatwad's pregnant. True that. Meatwad, you can't possibly be pregnant. You have little face. How do you know that? First off, you're a ma- uh, Well, you're kind of a- 
I don't know, you're a male. Oh, awesome, that is so cool, I always wanted a gender. Do you even know how people get pregnant? No, but I know how I did. I was touched by the power. Oh, my unit. In broad daylight. Starring Lou Diamond Phillips. You're not pregnant. Of course he is. Now I can wail on you for two. Okay, but let's do it later, okay? Right now, my little boy needs his will. <laughs> so, Shake, he had a stick. He just had it out of nowhere and starts beating Meatwad. Meatwad got stuck in the stick and was, like, moving up and down. But Meatwad, as you heard, was pretty chipper about it. But he's like, you know, I have to be responsible now. Uh, my little boy needs some rest, so you'll have to beat me later. But I really like what's going on in this episode. We're very quickly moving between these kind of different topics. And now the episode is shifting from the billboard so much as to now Meatwad is pregnant. There was some sort of immaculate conception that happened when he was at the billboard. So I really like the way that this, this one is growing and kind of adapting to what is going on. In our next clip now, uh, it's just kind of like a Schooly D narration, but I don't know if it's actually Schooly D or not. It doesn't really sound like him to me, but I don't know who else it would be, but we're going to get a kind of hip hop transition. And visually, we will see back at the billboard an arrow with a string on it is going to go into the $2 that Meatwad left, and then it will be slowly brought up to the billboard. We will get a wide shot and see the billboard and see that nobody is up there. So it's kind of like, ooh, who, you know, how is this happening? There's nobody doing that. So kind of a cool little transition here. Golly, Willikers, fellas. I think that's Meatwad's baby's daddy. So it zoomed in on, like, the face on the stock of the gun saying, that's Meatwad's baby daddy, <laughs> supposed to be Jesus. So I guess God, he impregnated Mary, and then she had Jesus, and now Jesus, he has immaculately impregnated uh, Meatwad here. That, that's the lineage that needs to be updated into the Bible. So because it's a time cut, we are going to some point in the future now, and we're going to have Shake complaining about Meatwad's, like, behavior or or just his lifestyle currently. It's very funny to see Shake critical of this. And then we're going to see Meatwad. He's going to walk, because we're basically in the living room. Meatwad's going to walk through from the hallway into the kitchen. We'll follow Meatwad into the kitchen. So that's another episode where we are in the kitchen, which is nice to to pop in here every every once in a while. I'm glad they're using this asset more in season three than they did in previous seasons. Uh, but Meatwad, he is visibly pregnant now. He's got a big belly. He's got a bun in the oven, as he said. He's kind of waddling, walking with like almost two feet, and then his two arms kind of holding his big belly. He's going to walk into the kitchen, open the fridge, and take just a bunch of stuff out of the fridge. And it's basically all meat. There's like chicken, like raw chickens, uh, lobsters, hams, turkeys, uh, a sub. He's got some anchiladitos, some some sausage links, some grilled cheese. Basically every like food asset we've seen in the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna pull out of that fridge which is surprise i mean i guess it's a later date but it's like wow he really wanted a pizza earlier but they had all this food in the fridge which is shocking but meatwad's gonna have that so he's got you know some cravings here he's pregnant he's got those pregnancy cravings of i guess mostly raw meat frylock is then like he's gonna see all this food that meatwad's trying to bring back to his room and he's gonna be like oh you don't need that much food he's, he goes to take some of it away this causes meatwad to freak out i think he starts like hissing but he just starts flailing his arms everywhere and the food goes everywhere. So there's food all over the living room and all over the hallway now. And Meatwad will kind of apologize for this. He's been sleeping for three friggin' days straight. I don't do that because I'm not irresponsible and don't go out and get knocked up every time there's a party at the frat house. Hey, he's not pregnant, okay? Well, he's getting bigger down there. Have you seen how he eats? It's disgusting. He doesn't even look at it anymore. He just shovels it in. 
Whoa, maybe we... Damn! Oh, boy, I apologize. My hormones are going nuts. Now, please, if you would, get the f*** out of my way. I mean, how many times do I gotta f*** write ice cream on this f*** list before someone gets a f***ing gear and brings home the f*** ice cream? Maybe I should get a steak knife and etch it in your mother f*** forehead. How hard can it f*** be? Ice mother f*** cream. I guess that's the price I pay for living with two f*** morons. Meatwad absolutely going off here. We have Shake and Frylock kind of backing up with these shocked looks on their on their faces here. And I do want to mention that it was revealed in the commentary that Dave's wife, Lisa, was pregnant with their son, Max, when they were making this episode. In fact, they had their baby shower in the middle of production on it. So I have to wonder... <laughs> <laughs> how much is Dave here pulling from his real life experience? Now, I, I assume uh, that a lot of this is is very fictional, but I, I have to assume it's, it's rooted in some sort of reality. But yeah, you heard not only does Meatwad have these cravings, but he's also very on edge. He's very hormonal, I guess, at, at this stage in his pregnancy. And then they throw back to these standards and practices moments where every time Meatwad swears, of course, it's edited, but with a, a, a funny noise. But every time he's swearing, too, on the screen, we see there's that red X from the original video that they watched at the beginning of the episode. It's kind of interesting how they carry over this this editing technique in, in like, a film they watched in the episode to the episode itself. I think that's kind of cool. Speaking of the visuals, there is a visual error here. Uh, by, like, the divider thing between their kitchen and their living room, there's a chicken that's kind of, like, clipped through the floor kind of hard to explain but if you check out the episode you'll see what i mean but moving on now shake and frylock they're gonna talk about what just happened with meatwad again the the room is just glittered with meat products basically and meatwad will come back in but this time he is noticeably less angry what happened to courtesy <laughs> did it just disappear i just can't believe it who would make love to that <laughs> how do you make love do you have a book or... what how do you do it i'm asking i I guess it was an immaculate... Convection. <laughs> Oven. In it, Duran got a burn on it. <laughs> so yeah, that's Meatwad coming in to uh, finish up that joke. I like how how Shake here, he's kind of the, the voice of reason. I like when characters are crazier than Shake, and Shake is is kind of appalled by that. Of course, we talked about that in Remooned, where where Shake was like, Carl, you'd go crazy with a laser gun. And then it's the same thing here, where he's even shocked by, by Meatwad's behavior. Although I think with Shake, it's more like, he doesn't like that Meatwad's acting that way to him. If Meatwad was doing that to other people, it would be okay. But when somebody acts that way to Shake, then it's an issue. I also like the undertones, and we will see this more throughout the episode, of Shake being jealous, almost, that I guess that Meatwad is pregnant with, like, this holy child, but also that Meatwad got to have sex, I think. There's a little bit of jealousy from Shake there. And also, Shake revealing that he doesn't know how sex works. He's asking Frylock, like, how you do it, if there's a book on it or something like that, which is funny given the way that Shake always presents himself as this cool guy who does whatever he wants all the time. He gets chicks, he, he's famous, all this kind of stuff, but obviously none of it is true. Anyways, moving on, we are back at the billboard, and a visual element I forgot to mention was underneath the billboard, it says D and M which I have to assume means Dave and Matt. And we have a, a reoccurring character now, a character we've seen before. We have 
the homeless guy from Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. Of course, this is a character that does pop up throughout the run of the show. We talked a lot about him back in that episode, but voiced by Matt Malero. I guess I forgot to mention Matt on this episode at the beginning. But Matt, I I assume, is playing him here again. He sounds very similar to his original appearance, and it does sound like Matt to me. So the homeless guy is going to be up on the billboard, and Shake needs him to move to show Frylock what's up there. So, you know, Shake kind of brilliantly but very cruelly figures out how to get the homeless guy to move. I'm tilting my head. I still don't see the damn thing. All right, you see the homeless guy up there in the grid work? Not him. It's above him. Uh, I don't see anything but wood. I mean, it's just wood it's grain. right in the butt of the gun. Look at the butt I'm of the gun. I'm looking at the butt of the gun. I don't see nothing but the gun. What the hell's the matter? Hey, yo, Chach. Yeah, Show my dumb friend over here where G Wiz is, will you? G Wiz. Go, G Wiz. That's, yes, thank you. Okay. Show him on the billboard. Me. Me, G Wiz. Great. Another whack job. Hey, G Wiz. Can you fly? Okay, now that he's gone. <laughs> I had to keep that little bit of timing in there. <laughs> okay, now that he's gone. So you heard uh, Shake, he convinced, like, well, he asked the homeless guy, because the homeless guy was like, oh, I'm G-Wiz. He's like, yeah, can you fly? So the homeless guy just jumps off the billboard and lands on the ground. He doesn't, like, splat or explode or anything. There's no blood. He just lands on the ground. You assume that he is dead, and Shake is very indifferent about this. I'm surprised that Frylock even let this happen. Now, you would think Frylock would try and stop the guy from falling, but he does not. I love how unnecessary that whole segment was. Like, how did they even think that, oh, let's bring back that homeless guy. Let's just have him up there. I mean, they must have been drawing on a story of, like, you know, just somebody up on on the thing. But, like, that whole segment did not need to happen, but I'm so glad that it did. It's just I love when Shake has to kind of talk to people in this way. Like, when he has to talk to people that aren't the normal people he hangs out with, it's funny seeing him trying to navigate this just kind of like awkward communicative situation. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. And I, I that, that scene is a real highlight for me this episode. But now that the homeless guy is out of the way, they can finally get to what they were doing, which is trying to get Frylock to see G-Wiz in the wood grain on the stock of the gun. Right where his head was. You got a squid like I'm me. I'm out of here. This is bull. <laughs> don't turn your back to him. Flaming arrows are going to come flying out of there. You you believe this too, don't you, Shay? Hell no. But I need him to think that I do. Where you going? <laughs> Meatwad's baby shower. Oh, gee whiz. I totally forgot. <laughs> I know not what I did it. So that is more flying, uh, flaming arrows coming down on Shake. At this point, there is some blood underneath the homeless guy's head, which is pretty sad. They just leave him there in the street. Um, of course, Frylock can fly. I guess he could have flown up there if he really wanted to look at it, but it could be a situation where you have to be further back from the image to see the face of Jesus. But what I find interesting this episode is it's revealed a lot throughout the show that Frylock seems to be religious. But he is the only one here not really falling for this. Meatwad fell for it, and even Shake is falling for it, but Frylock is not. And that could be because maybe like he is maybe hyper aware of, of false prophets, like he was saying, or just his scientific nature um, doesn't allow him to like, you know, really fall for this. But you would think him being the actual religious one of the group that he would be more susceptible to this, like we saw in real life with the whole spaghetti situation. It seemed to be you know, I can't imagine there was any non-believers like, oh my God, it's Jesus up there. I believe in God now because I saw the Jesus in the spaghetti. Like it had to have been people already predispositioned for it 
because of their beliefs. So a little surprising here that, that Frylock doesn't fall for it, but I'm glad that he doesn't. I'm glad that he can be the voice of reason in this episode. But yes, it is now uh, Meatwad's baby shower time. We are in the living room and Meatwad is sitting at the table. They busted the table out for the occasion here. And Carl's there. Very surprising. You would expect him to not want to show up to this ship, but he did. They're bringing Carl in at the end of the episode, too. Uh, he is going to hand Meatwad his present, which is wrapped up in newspapers. And Meatwad will open it to reveal a dingy, dirty, nasty fishing pole that's like a compact one, I guess. Carl explains how it can fold up into itself. But also... The line is just wrapped completely all around this thing everywhere. Like somebody tried to get this thing all tangled up and in horrible shape. And there's just hooks hanging off of it. Not very safe. Uh, this is n nothing you should give to a child. Uh, but I guess, you know, you would think maybe Carl wants the kid to kill itself with that. So that there's not any more monsters running around next door. And they'll talk about that a little bit. And at the end of the clip, Frylock will come in with a very nicely wrapped present for Meatwad. Carl, this is so sweet, really. You didn't have to do this, it's... <laughs> what the hell is this? Well, it's a fishing rod. You see? It, uh, <laughs> it folds up. You know, you put it in your... I got about a hundred of them. <laughs> well, they make pretty good gifts if you don't, you know, give a crap about who you're giving them to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but, uh, this child we're having, no need to fish. Cause if he want fish, he just yank run out of middle. Cause he's, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, fry man told me that. You, uh, you sure you wasn't raped? No, <laughs> but I was raped with jaw. So there's, uh, gonna be another one of you animals running around over here. <laughs> Great. We'll start a zoo. So Open this one, Meatwad. So, yeah, Carl not very thrilled about this. Again, surprised he showed up. I really love the gift he gave Meatwad in that it's just the most absurd-looking thing. Uh, and I really have to wonder how they were inspired to come up with this. It's just, it's just crazy to me. So let's open Frylock's present now. We see it is a very thoughtful gift. It is, well, first of all, it's nicely wrapped. Good on Frylock. How does he wrap stuff with his, with his fries? I don't know. I suck ass at wrapping presents. I don't even try anymore. I don't even, I don't even attempt to make it nice. I know it's going to look like shit and I embrace it. Um, I'll have to upload some pictures sometimes. The, the worst wrapping you've ever seen. And I, I'm goddamn proud of it. But that's not the case with Frylock here. And we see it's a car seat. And a very useful, very practical gift for an expecting parent. And they don't have a car, but Carl, he does. Oh, Frylock, you don't have to do... What the hell is this? It, it's a car seat for the baby. We got a car? Carl does. Here it comes. Okay. It's for when we ride around with Carl. Yeah, when we take our road trip to fantasy land. It's never freaking happening. Look, your baby wants a car. Make him yank a freaking Lamborghini out of midair. I'm afraid that would be a vulgar <laughs> display of his power. So when I first heard that line, my immediate thought was the Pantera album, Vulgar Display of Power. But that is also a line from the movie, you'll hear it again now, The Exorcist. We've been jabbering about it all this episode for a reason, because I think that's probably more in line of what they're pulling from. I know Matt Malero, he likes metal music. He probably is a Pantera fan, but I know he's a horror fan as well. And I would expect that to be a line more from, from The Exorcist. But who knows? It could be either or. Vulgar Display of Power, a good album. The Exorcist, a good movie. And actually, uh, Vulgar Display of Power, the Pantera album, was named after the line in The Exorcist. 
But something I noticed is that whenever Meatwad is opening presents, he says, oh, Frylock, you didn't have to, or oh, Carl, you didn't have to. So some social awareness, I guess, to Meatwad here. You wouldn't expect that. That he's he's trying to be polite when he opens these, but in both cases, he does not like the gifts. I don't know what he was expecting or what he wanted, but uh, we have another person at the baby shower here, and that is Master Shake. Let's see what Master Shake got for Meatwad. <sighs> What's up, Master Shake? Shake, didn't you get him something? I should be the one! <laughs> Who chose you? Nobody! <laughs> I don't know how he did it. I mean, you probably had to put a bag over your head and think of me. Meatwad, come on. I got a surprise for and you. And now he gets surprises. Yippity-doo! Shake is just so incredibly jealous here. It's really funny to see him jealous over this, over getting pregnant. Like, what? Why would, why would Shake be jealous of that? But I think he's just jealous of all the attention. I don't think that he really wants to be pregnant otherwise. And of course, we will see in a later episode uh, next season when Shake does have a kid, or at least he thinks it's his kid. He's he's not really excited about that. But yeah, that was Meatwad's baby shower. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that Carl even came. At least he brought something, but a pretty lame baby shower. Although Frylock did have a really great gift in, with the car seat, and car seats aren't aren't cheap, so. That was a thoughtful gift, but I love the whole back and forth, you know, with Carl. Like, oh, great, here we go. Like, they're expecting Carl to drive them around to, like, the, any doctor's appointments and, and stuff like that. I just love the dialogue in this one. And uh, moving on, we're going to see what what uh, Meatwad's surprise is. Frylock, he's been doing some piracy. Okay, we're going to get a first look at that little baby. I stole this ultrasound program off the internet. Well, that's stealing. <laughs> I said I stole it. Would you get me the Lord of the Rings? I already have that. It's on my hard drive. All right, Meatwad. How about watching it? I'm just going to run this across your belly, and then we're going to get to see the first look at it. So, yeah, Frylock, he has the ultrasound equipment, and then he also, he uh, he illegally downloaded the the software to run it. The software is called uh, Cyber Ultrasound Pro version 3.2. And we see this product licensed to Dr. Paul Rubenstein, I think it says, OBGYN. There's a serial number there. And the logo for this program, it is a fetus with the umbilical cord coming out. And then it turns at the end into the handle thing that you put on the belly to actually, you know, see, like to, to do the ultrasound part. So very funny. And uh, I, I, I love the back and forth with, with Shake and Frylock here because it, it comes up that that Frylock has Lord of the Rings and Shake wants to watch it. So there's like that awkward silence. But visually, out of nowhere, Frylock just like really angrily glares at Shake. Like you can tell he's getting pissed off. So I love that little detail. It just adds to like a, a comedic kind of physical humor and also just this body language kind of communication we are seeing between these characters, which is not new to this season, but we have been seeing it a lot this season with, with a little bit more action and expressiveness from the characters because their uh, budget and technology allowed them to do do more of that over the previous seasons. So I'm really appreciating that here. It just adds like a whole other level to some of these jokes. Of course, I have to call Shake out as a hypocrite because he is, you know, yelling at Frylock for stealing this program. When back in Mayhem of the Moon Knights, Shake was perfectly fine with the Moon Knight stealing stuff for Shake, and I'm sure there's some other instances that I am forgetting. But let's move on with this ultrasound. I mean, you heard there the music started to get a little dark, and it will continue to do so because we are going to see inside of Meatwad, and it's not a, a baby as you would expect. It's a million spider eggs. Is this the Lord of the Rings? Oh my gee! <laughs> what? 
What's about oh, to happen? Is this, is this a scary part? This can't be right. <laughs> Do we have his daughter's blood? I want him to have red hair. Uh, Meatwad, I think you better take a look at this. Well, clearly these are eyeballs that he needs so he can see everything that's going on in the world that's evil. They're spider eggs, Meatwad. Well, he works in mysterious ways. Who? The spider? Yeah, let, let me see that again. <laughs> again, great dialogue here. Uh, visually with the ultrasound, it looks really cool. And in the commentary, I couldn't tell if he was serious or not, but I, I think he was serious. Dave was saying that he gave Bob Pettit the ultra, like his ultrasound for his son. And Bob used that as a reference here because there's like all sorts of information on the sides of the screen. But the only thing I can make out is the patient name is Meatwad. But otherwise, like, I don't know what anything else means. And I don't know if it's even particularly interesting information. So I'll just leave it there. But in terms of like where you would expect to see the baby. Yeah, it's just a bunch of little dots all moving around. And Meatwad says, those are the eyes so that they could see all the stuff that's going on in the world. But uh, Meatwad kind of in denial that it's not like a, a messiah or a savior. It's just a bunch of spider eggs inside of them. However, we are about to witness the miracle of birth now. Continuing on, the eggs are going to start to hatch, I guess, because Meatwad's stomach will erupt and a bunch of spiders will just be shooting out of his stomach everywhere all over the room. And then Shake and Frylock, they're going to book it, just run out of the house and lock Meatwad in there. Oh, my goodness. You must have picked up a spider on the side of the road or something. Will someone please tell me, <laughs> is what we're watching the Lord of... <laughs> my water broke. Let's get out of here. Out of here, lock him in, lock him in. So, so Frylock's uh, attitude here obviously different from season one because season one Frylock would have tried to help Meatwad, but in season three Frylock is like, lock him in, lock him in, we're done, we're out of here. And I, lo I love Shake's insistence on Lord of the Rings, uh, and he's not done with it yet. I, I love that they just, so late in the episode, introduce this reoccurring joke, which is very, very silly. Yeah, just a very Aqua Teen twist, right? He wasn't, well, obviously he wasn't pregnant. He's a fucking ball of meat, but it wasn't some sort of savior. It was something gross. It was a bunch of spiders. Like he he rolled over a spider when, when he was going either to or from the billboard and it just laid eggs all inside of him until they all hatched. So we're going to be outside the house now with Frylock and Shake, and then we will see the windows of the house will, will become like infested with spiders, and, and they'll kind of be talking about uh, the aftermath of what happened. Tell me you put towels under the door. Oh, yeah, but don't worry. They won't attack his body for at least a couple of I days. I wasn't worried about him. I'm worried <laughs> about Frodo, and I want to know what he's up to. <laughs> so so more visual expressiveness. We have Shake. He kind of like closes his eyes when he's saying that, and he kind of hops up and down. He's just very antsy to watch Lord of the Rings. I just, I, I don't know. I, I really like how they just keep bringing this back up. But to complete another running joke throughout the episode, they've been referring to how uh, Gee Wiz looks like Ted Nugent. They're going to have Ted Nugent in the episode now. He's going to pop up and visually the character looks like Ted Nugent and that he's like a, a, you know, a white guy with long hair and a beard and a mustache. But uh, he's also he's wearing no clothing at all, except there's a badger where like a loincloth would be. And he's wearing combat boots and he's holding like a composite bow or like a compound bow, I guess. So that's his character here. He also has a blue headband on. And according to the commentary, Dave says that Ted Nugent was recorded in Texas and he ad-libbed most of his lines based on what they wrote for him. And also, uh, he, he apparently was the one that requested the badger covering his nether regions as opposed to like just, they were just going to give him a loincloth, I guess, but he wanted a badger there. 
So let's hear what, what Ted's got to say. Hey, how you guys doing? Anybody without a gun and a knife and a handkerchief and a chapstick, get the <laughs> out of here. Who are you? Gee whiz, that is friggin' Ted Nugent! <laughs> oh, you shot my arm! Oh, man, sorry about that. I thought it was a varmint. Wango's a tango, huh? Yeah, it is I, Ted Nugent. It was my image you saw on that billboard. I kept telling him, Ted Nugent, he's stupid. Well, okay, but why are you here? Hey, which of you numbnuts left a dollar in front of my billboard? Hey, Nuge, <laughs> you go sign my arrow. Don't move, man. I got a cat scratch fever, Lloyd Clark. I still wear a laundry <laughs> I'm day. I'm telling you, don't move. Why, what's the... Ah! So that is Carl exploding. So uh, you could hear what happened. Ted Nugent just shot Carl because Carl saw him and got excited because Carl loves 70s and 80s rockers. Uh, Carl had had the flaming arrow in his arm. He's trying to pull it out, but it, I guess it's an exploding arrow because because Carl, he will explode. And in our next clip, continuing on with the theme uh, from back from the standards and practices video, instead of blood coming out of Carl, a rainbow will come out of him. But to talk about Ted Nugent really quickly, he is most known for his song Stranglehold and Cat Scratch Fever. As a kid, I always thought it was Cat Scratch Beaver. But those are honestly the only two Ted Nugent songs that I know. But I was looking up some lyrics to an interesting Ted Nugent song here. This song is called Jailbait. Uh, Ted was 32 when he wrote this. Let me let me read you this classic piece of music here. Well, I don't care if you're just 13. You look too good to be true. I just know that you're probably clean. Jailbait. You look fine, fine, fine. It's quite all right. I asked your mama. Wait a minute, officer. Don't put those handcuffs on me. Put them on her, and I'll share her with you. So, yeah, that's Mr. Family Values, Ted Nugent there, who likes to parade around for uh, politicians and stuff. That's what he's kind of getting up to. And something else I want to mention, which is very, very funny. So back in the 70s, Ted talked about how he dodged the draft by basically shitting and pissing in his pants and just seeming like somebody who was completely incapable of serving in the military to get out of the Vietnam War. Which, look, man... I'm not going to, like, make fun of you for that because the draft is bullshit, but you can't claim to be Mr. I love America, I'll do anything for America, and pull shit like that. You just can't. They're just not compatible. However, in 2018, he tried to walk that back and say, no, I never did that. I made that story up because I thought it was funny. Even though when I, when I read the story that he made up about shitting and pissing in his pants, it doesn't seem like he made it up, but he, he's now saying he made it up and that he never got a 4F classification from the military, meaning that you're basically incapable of serving. He's like, yeah, I never I never got a 4F. But then multiple people have dug through the military records and found that he was in fact given a 4F. So it seems for now, like his initial claims that he shit and pissed his pants to get out of the draft are true, which again is funny for somebody who claims to be Mr. Patriotic. So that's enough about Ted Nugent. If you want a whole fucking montage, a whole symphony of just uh, disgusting shit and uh, hypocrisy, just look them up yourself. You're free to do so. And according to some TV guides at the time, this one was going to be called either Nuge or The Nuge. It seemed to be interchangeable, but they ultimately stuck with G-Wiz, which uh, I think... <laughs> was a good call. So let's jump back into our episode. Remember, Carl's, his, his head basically got exploded. A rainbow's gonna come out. The Aqua Teens are gonna swear, but it'll be censored. So at the very end, the last thing you will hear is Michael D. Hanks deeming this episode acceptable. Well, I'm sure glad that wasn't blood. I would have been mother <laughs> offended out of my <laughs> Me too, you mother <laughs> 
suck. Acceptable. <laughs> so that is the episode. That is great. It's just really poking fun maliciously at standards and practices because it, it illustrates they can show this horrible shit or they, they can have, like, you know that the characters are cussing, but as long as you don't play it, as, lo- as long as a rainbow comes out instead of some blood, it's all okay, even though ultimately you still know what's happening. So it's just this kind of uh, vain kind of stupid dance that you have to do to get around this stuff. But uh, yes, that is G-Wiz. And typically I would go and talk about some discussion that was had the night this episode aired. But the website I used for that, which is now called AnimeSuperhero.com, again, it was called Toon Zone back in the day, that has been down for a few days now, so I have not been able to access it. I tried to use Wayback Machine to see if I can get on it that way. I couldn't, so we'll just have to go without any uh, discussion from the night this episode aired, even though I really want to see what people were saying, so I'm pretty bummed out, but it's all right. Uh, Let's just go right into my thoughts on this one, and going into this episode, I didn't think I was going to like this one that much. This is never an episode I've, I've, like, sat down and, and chosen to watch, really, because all I remembered from it was there's a billboard, poopy boy Ted Nugent's in it, and then Meatwad is pregnant. So for whatever reason, like, this didn't stick out to me as being, like, a great episode. But on rewatch, I was blown away. This one is hysterical. I really, really liked this episode. I like the way they use all the characters. Carl's just kind of thrown in at the end, but I think he has some great moments, so I'm, I'm not really bothered by that, and I appreciate that they did include him because they didn't need to. I like how Meatwad-centric this one is, and I like that there's a lot of Frylock in this episode, so you get a lot of them. Like, the way it opens is just... Frylock reading his news and and Meatwad's kind of bugging him. I like seeing those moments from this show and it's kind of cool like with the production history on this one in the in in so far as that they had to change it so much to be SNP friendly but also they eventually just use some of the episode to make fun of standards and practices. So I think that gives it like a unique feel and it gives this episode kind of a, a unique edge to it that the other episodes don't necessarily have. The way that they incorporate, again, like the, the elements from the S&P video, they incorporate that into the episode itself is like kind of different for an Aqua Teen episode. Again, with like the the X across the screen and the check mark and stuff. It's just it's just kind of creative on their end, which uh, sounds kind of condescending to say, but it's just really uh, going like an extra mile and thinking outside the box in a way that they don't have to do for this show. But I'm glad that they did. I love the way that they use Shake here. The way that they use Shake can make or break an episode for me. And I like that he's just kind of a supporting character here. And I love how much he's he really wants to watch Lord of the Rings. I like how he just goes on about that. He, and I, I love his jealousy of Meatwad throughout the episode. It's, it's just very, very funny because it's not really something that he should have been jealous about. It just really shows uh, who Shake is as a character. Pregnant Meatwad is something that I really glossed over in this podcast episode, I think. Of course, it's like a whole new drawing of Meatwad. He has a whole new walk cycle because he's got his big belly. It's such a treat to see that. I also, I didn't, I think I forgot to talk about this. I like the scene where Meatwad gets a gender. <laughs> he's told that he's a male and he's very excited about that. Um, yeah, just all around a great episode. This is what I want from Aqua Teen. I like that they aren't relying, again, because I said this last week, They aren't relying on shock value or violence or gross-out humor. There's some of that here, and I'm fine with some of that. I come to Aqua Teen because I like the dialogue, I like the character interactions, and that's what I want to see, not just like how fucked up can they draw Shake, even though I I, I like seeing that too. 
But when an episode relies too heavily on that, it gets boring for me. And this episode definitely did not rely on anything like that. There's so many things going on here. So many uh, just callbacks to other jokes in terms of, uh, you know, Meatwad wanting his pizza at first. They kind of go through that at the beginning. We get Shake again with Lord of the Rings. We have the whole uh, Frylock. He reads about this billboard, which then leads to them going to the billboard, which leads to Meatwad picking up a spider egg, but he thinks it's because of the billboard. There's just a lot of stuff just really tightly interconnected here, and I really enjoyed this one. Of course, it wasn't a perfect episode. I think the end... I like that they tie up with Ted Nugent. I think that was kind of cool, uh, poopy boy Ted Nugent, but... Uh, it it, it kind of like breaks the flow of the episode. I feel like it, it feels like they they ended the episode too soon and had to pad out a minute of time. So they threw Poopy Boy Ted Nugent in there. But I do think it's cool that they brought on another rocker, uh, similar to how they have done previously in the show, like with with uh, Danzig, Zach Wild, uh, a fake Getty Lee. I mean, that's very of this show. So I, I like that they tried to carry that on here, though. So it, it's not like it was completely out of nowhere. And plus, again, they did reference Poopy Boy Ted Nugent throughout the episode. But uh, the part with him is like, I mean, it's fine, but it's like, yeah, I, I kind of liked uh, seeing Meatwad pregnant. I would I would have liked to have seen a, another minute of that, I guess, over uh, the end there. But otherwise, a really strong episode. I was surprised how much I liked this one. So because of that... I got to give this episode, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say four and a half car seats out of five. I mean, the reason I can't give it a five out of five is is really, I think, just that pacing towards the end. But otherwise, a great episode. I really like this one. And before we leave, uh, I'm still fucking around with that new segment idea of what can we learn from Aqua Teen? Maybe I'll make a little theme music at some point. But what can we learn from this episode. I feel like there's a lot of things that we can take away from this one, but the thing that stands out to me, and this will will go for any creatives out there, but really for anybody, is the way that the team adapted to their constraints in this episode, and not only adapted to it, but they they kind of thrived in it, and it made the episode better. So by that, I, I mean, you know, as we as we spoke about a lot, the episode was told at one point that it was dead. They wouldn't be able to do it. And, and they were having issues getting it through S&P. But because of their anger with that, they included the jabs at S&P, which, which made this one more memorable, more unique. It had a lot of great jokes. We got George Lowe because of it. And on the commentary, they straight up say it. You know, Dave agrees. The episode is better because of that. So I think it's kind of inspiring the way that that they were faced with this frustrating situation and they turned it really just into comedy and, and it made the episode better than it was if they had just been able to publish it having just said, oh, it's Jesus up there and that's it. If they didn't have to do the S&P stuff, it wouldn't have been as good. So I think that's what we can learn from this episode specifically is is just that you know something might seem like it's it's hindering you at first, but you can leverage that to make you know your situation better. So I think that's what I took away from this one. Let me know your thoughts. Check the links in the show notes if you want to get in touch. But yeah, that's it for me this week. If you like this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing over at patreon.com. You'll get a bunch of extra content too. Uh, there's a, a lot of stuff over there at this point and it's just going to keep growing. Otherwise, if you can't afford to support the show financially but still want to help out, then just sharing the show would definitely mean a lot. It definitely helps out. Even just liking stuff on social media, retweeting, whatever, it all helps 
Of course, thank you to those who are subscribed to the Patreon already, and a super thank you to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Brian, and Robison. You guys can watch my pirated version of Lord of the Rings any day of the week. I'll see you all next week when we jump into Season 3, Episode 5, E-Dork. That's right, you better get your podcast add-on to your E-Helmet. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. We got a car? Carl does. Here it comes. Okay. It's for when we ride around with Carl. Yeah, when we take our road trip to Fantasyland. It's never freaking happening.